0: Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. This morning I'm going to finish up this small section on... uh... The issue of identity and so we're going through some life lesson things this summer. It's a time of transition for me and I ran into an old book that said uh, what I want my kids to know and uh, so it was written by somebody older that was passing things on and so this is not uh, I'm not going anywhere okay it's not one of that but it just felt that it was a it was a time that I wanted to share some things especially with with new day youth starting to meet again and with what's with happening with that and so one of the biggest life lessons And one of the things that I've seen as a primary teaching that in this time, in this generation that the body of Christ both received lots of strange teachings on, but other things, a central issue was our identity. Like you, I probably sat through, I don't know how many teachings and seminars and different things on our identity in Christ is usually what it was talked about. But identity is such a is such a large scope of things, and uh, and looking at it, and the way I've shared it, in starting with that, uh, the f- first question that goes with the understanding of why am I here? What is my significance? What is my purpose in being here? Actually, has to begin with my security in God. Whose do I belong to? And you are never really free to be somebody until you know where you came from, whose you are. And so we talked about that in the past couple of weeks. And then about, if all of that is true that I belong to God, first by the right of creation, and now by the right of redemption, he's redeemed me back. What does that mean for who I am? What does that say about my identity? Well, it means we're of noble birth. We're royalty. He's the king of kings. Uh, we we have engendered something that we're in being made in the image of God we have qualities within us that depict that being, that being. and when we're redeemed those qualities start coming out I always thought that being Christ-like meant I had to fight to be perfect being Christ-like is Christ in me not me fighting to be like Christ him coming into my spirit joining my spirit and one of the best places I've found to actually reveal what this is all about is, of course, the beginning in Genesis, uh, where you get your start. And I think that in postmodernity where we're at today, and I'm not trying to be uh, professorial or anything like that, uh, uh with it in this day and age that we live in but our views are, are so strange and distorted through technology through education and the system of educating the theories that are given us about the beginnings and everything and so when we read genesis now in the story of adam and eve uh it's all mixed up with science uh, prehistoric man what what was it like in the beginning and so we we we're fed a lot of things that I think run interference to actually the whole reason that Moses wrote the Pentateuch or the first five books also known as the Torah now we think Torah means law and we have the five books of the law actually Torah the word means teaching doesn't mean law we turn teachings into law <laughs> that's what we do so the very word of what Moses under the command of God was writing down to give us that time was to understand the teaching so that we could uh Crosby Stills Nation song an old one from the 70s teach your children well you know p- pass on to your children teach your children these things and so Moses under instruction of the Holy Spirit is writing these things out but it's also the traditions of what he knew of how what he was taught and how it was passed on to him so go to Genesis Adam and Eve the first four chapters of Genesis was that literal or figurative yeah yes How do you know? By faith. And we don't know. Did it happen exactly? And boy, was that an apple? You know, we take the fruit and turn it into an apple. We take all the scenarios and try and make it manageable for us instead of letting it be this mysterious thing about trying to understand the most mysterious being that is, which is God, who loves to make himself known. And so when we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we think in terms of this. It comes, it gets juxtaposed, if you will, against what we know about science. So we take the idea of what we have about prehistoric man and then look at Adam and Eve. Well, we're Adam and Eve like cavemen that we're told. And it actually, the whole idea of Adam and Eve and prehistory and all that run interference t- to the knowledge of the mystery of what God wants us to get and see and receive and understand. You have to picture this. Adam and Eve were God's perfect creation. Before the fall, before the enemy comes, Adam is as Christ. There's no no brokenness in Adam. There's nothing wrong with Adam. As a matter of fact, if you could talk to Adam at that point in time, would you say, are you trying to live pleasing to God? And he said, "I, I am pleasing to God. What are you talking about? Adam didn't try and do things to get God to be pleased with him. As a matter of fact, Adam wasn't trying to be like God. He didn't know anything but God and his relationship to God. A matter of fact, everything that he was given to do was not separate from God, including his work, but it was with God. So this story starts, uh, and we should give it to our children this way. Look at this incredible thing. Adam and Eve and how they were made and made in the image of God and then The focal point is their relationship to God. They walk with him in Eden, in the garden. First they're created, and then God creates this place called Eden. Do you know what Eden means? I didn't either. I looked it back up. I remember I, I knew at one point in time. It means delight. Isn't that interesting? And it is both a word that is both male and female, in, in the Hebrew language, in the gender that it's written. So Eden, where they, were, where they were given, they were given the place to live. Now think about what we think about with heaven. But really heaven is the presence of God. They were given to live in the delight of God. What? Oh, he was, they didn't know anything but the delight of God. And there was instruction there, and and even in the very act of creation. So it says in, in Genesis 2, verse 7, we all know this well, and the Lord took dust of the earth and formed Adam, right? Takes red clay, Adam means red clay, and he forms Adam, and he makes him in his image, but he's not alive yet. So verse 7 says this, And God breathed into Adam, and he became a living being. It was the breath of God that gave Adam life. Now we all know about the fall and what it did, but here's Adam and Eve before that, and, and Adam being there, and he goes to sleep for a little while. By the way, there's all, all kinds of mysteries there to tell your kids and to know yourself that instead of, uh, you know, we have guys that want to tell God how to create their Eve and we have Eves that want to kick Adam awake before, they're, before it's time. So there's lots of stories there to tell and lots of things to reveal with that. The most f- phenomenal thing, I think, I can even imagine, can you imagine this, working with God. So God does creation, he says, Adam, I want you to name it. I want you to give name to the animals. And he brings, works with him and brings the animals. Adam's never, if if you use our language serving the Lord. He was with him. He literally knew Emmanuel. the tragedy of the fall and of doing something outside to think of the lie of this the enemy comes and says the very thing they have he tells them he questions whether they really have it and that if they do this other thing that they'll have what they don't have outside of God to be God and they declare their independence from God in order to be like God Now think through that. Think of all the things that you can share about identity with yourself and your children. Our identity does not come from being alone. Our identity comes from being with, and for everybody, with others. When that true identity, that the other is God, it changes everything. Not just made in his image, but all that I do is with God. In the fall, and what Adam and Eve chose to do, and that's it. By the way, you have to really, when you go back, read those first four chapters real slow and ask God to start revealing it to you. Because we always depict it as, you know, the enemy picked Eve off and stuff. Do you know that it says that Adam was near? Adam was right there when, you know, Dr. Larry Crabb does this wonderful book called The The Silence of Adam. You know, while Eve's being tempted, Adam's there and he doesn't say anything. Now think how that carries forward in society today. The whole design. There's no unity and protection there's no unity against lies we get picked off when we start believing things alone there's so much here that I literally I could teach the whole summer just out of those things of Genesis of what you can get out of that the whole temptation that the enemy brings over the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and what that is that's the same three temptations that Christ went through in the wilderness You find it in John's writing in in 1 John 2, verse 15, when he says all that's in the world, the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's all right there to get us to separate ourselves from God. But our true identity is with God. Our true identity, every time I struggle with who I am, it's because I'm trying to separate myself from Christ or I'm trying to earn my way back to be with Christ when in our actuality I am with and in Christ. And so I have to listen to things that try and pull that away. And uh, so we ended last week. All that was introduction, by the way, just so we can catch up. Um, the two biggest enemies regarding a true identity are pride and shame. And they both have the same root. They have their root in this. Accomplishment. Individualism. Think of this. Comparison. Well, should we have no pride at all? No, there's a difference between doing things with excellence. I believe Adam did everything that he did in God with excellence. How could he not? He was perfect. I mean, that's the when we think Adam, we don't think in those terms. We only think in terms of the fall, but before the fall, Adam was just perfect. He was, if you will, now he wasn't literally Christ, but he was Christ-like on the earth, in Eden. Well, it was so different. The environment was different, Lloyd. I I understand. But his true identity was all wrapped up into one thing. God. Everything about him was God. And he didn't try and find it anyplace else. When they fall, when they make that mistake, two things that come into play are shame and pride, even in the temptation, the pride of life. Uh, So is there a good kind of pride? Yes, especially for our children, but it's this, it's the pride of doing, doing the best I can. It's the pride within who I am as a person, the, the reflection of what I want to be, that's the right kind of pride. But the pride that I'm way better than everybody else, the competitive pride, and the envy and comparison and jealousy things that happen, it's ugly. And the scripture is full of uh, detrimental accounts <laughs> as well as admonitions against pride. Shame. And the dance of shame that we do, you see that after the fall. What's the first thing that Adam and Eve do? Hide. Cover themselves. They're suddenly comparing and looking, measuring. Don't measure up. Fear enters in over the shame. They're suddenly afraid of God and what he will do because they know they were wrong and they've never been wrong before. That, And then they start... Uh, um, an old teacher, Malcolm Smith, uh, put it this way. He calls it the dance of shame. That we're, we, we do this strange thing within us in finding our identity, most of what we're taught in how to our, find our identity is I can beat you at anything. I can beat you at cards. I can beat you at a race. Oh, yeah, I'm still faster than you. Uh-huh. <laughs> we become this, I have to compete and measure myself against someone else of God's creation. Is competitiveness wrong and in sports and all that? No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying when our identities, where we get our understanding of our purpose and what we're here for and how we're made, when I start comparing me to you and I find the things that I'm better than you, and then we do this real weird with the shame thing, I'll never measure up to what Brian is like. Brian's a teacher. He's a way better teacher than I am. I've heard the accounts. Junior high kids love that man. They don't ever love me. I've never gotten a compliment from a 13-year-old. And we start figuring our identities into that. It becomes, the shame dance becomes distorted. And then we also make a carnival out of it. We call those carnivals things like... Uh, Facebook, movie, theater, how we do it, the things that we make out of it, the money that we make at the differences in pride and shame, what we look like, my identity is wrapped up into looking like this group because I'm trying to find myself. I want to be my own person, but I want to look like them so that I can fit in, so I can be my own person, you know. We use these faulty logical equations and it masks our true identity. So how do we how do we gain the freedom of knowing who we really are? It's only one place Jesus Christ. He is the second Adam. And his desire is to live inside of each one of us so that when we see ourselves, we see ourselves in Christ, not outside of Christ. Not some platform, not something I have to achieve, but something that I have received from the creator who already loves me. And that gift comes in and suddenly my identity starts taking out a way different form. And instead of regarding my function, I remember a few weeks ago I, I talked about this. Um, anybody else that's even close to my age, I, I promise you if I asked you how many teachings you heard on destiny, you would probably go, oh, you know, you do a Forrest Gump <laughs> about 20 million Uh, an exaggeration like Forrest would do Uh, we hear those over and over and over again we teach people that they will find their identity through their destiny instead of their destiny flowing out of their identity we give it to them backwards and some of that is related to this story of Adam and Eve and the dance of shame that they went through Um, We're given through it when the fall happens and and what occurs there, uh, Malcolm Smith uh, talking about the dance of shame says it looks like this. This is how we measure our identity. What I do plus my success at what I do plus how you rate What I do and the measure of my success equals who I am. I am no longer a being. I am now a doing. When we try and we can't pass this on to our kids. When I'm trying to find out who I am, it can't be about what you do. Because it will always hit a fault line. Um. It's the old adage, if you were at all, and so I was a little bit like this, uh, a fighter, okay, and you pride yourself on being able to fight, there's always somebody bigger and meaner. Guarantee you. You know, I I mean, I... I beat a man's fist to a bloody pulp with my face. You know? Uh, I paid the price for that, since I was 22 years old you know it's just it there's always something when we measure think of the now not Adam and Eve's fall but think of the sin that happens at or after Adam and Eve the two brothers both are bringing a sacrifice to God both offering something one is accepted and the other is not. And you can look at the story and go understand why. If you just understand how the, earth, the ground was cursed, and one bringing him something that was from the ground, and one bringing him something that was God given, didn't have to weed, pull the weeds or anything. But they get, you know, Cain gets envious, here's a comparison, over what was accepted, and what does he do? He, de- he doesn't go, oh, he must be better than I am. He kills him over a sacrifice. But we do the same stuff today. We compare ourselves, and then we kill each other if we think somebody's better and or worse. It can work both ways. One is pride. I'm better than you. The other is shame. I'm not as good as you are. And so the whole idea of who we are as people has to be taken completely out of a faulty equation. In not your accomplishment, but in your being. So go back to what we said these past two weeks. If I'm created by God and created in his image, and he loves me just like he loved Adam, as much love as God had for Christ, he has for me, as a matter of fact, through the Holy Spirit, Christ has been planted where? In me. What's my identity? What's my true identity? Christ. Not in what I do, but in who I truly am. And the work of it, of getting over the issues of pride and shame and comparison, all that, is literally aligning yourself not to what others say about you or rate you, but into what God says of you. And His rating is a really incredible system. It's perfection. That's seen through the law. But Christ comes in and takes that measurement, fulfills it for you, and gives himself to you as a gift. That's why Paul writes, Christ is the end of the law to those who believe. When we receive Christ, there's no comparisons anymore. Guess what? You are totally as loved as Jesus is. no matter what you've done, do, or will do, it won't change. When we start giving ourselves that true identity, everything changes. It's a a completely, uh, oh, such a different change. This was my whole, uh, I, I wanted that, the last song we did, So Will I, and Brenda was talking to me about it this week and then I watched this thing on that was on uh, Fox News app from NASA who just did these photographies using these some kind of special x-ray photography of any did anybody else see it you know I, I showed it to one person but anybody' else, oh go to the Fox app and look at this thing they take this panorama of our galaxy and they blast it with these rays so that you can see what the colors are like and so that you can see gravitational pull waves going through it and you're going what? and science can't explain it they can describe it but they can't explain it Well, when we look at something like that, and then we align ourselves with what David says, Oh God, when I consider the creations and I look at you, what is man that you are mindful of him? Well, man was God's highest creation. As beautiful as all of that space is, I don't have to compare myself to that. Can you see yourself this morning as the pinnacle? Beautiful, like the stars, honored by God, accepted completely, nothing you have to accomplish. this is the true equation this comes from grace and truth when we pray over ourselves and pray over identity and this is especially remember the first five books teaching what we want to teach our children is this I am made in God's image plus this is about the only equation I like by the way I am loved unconditionally by God there's no argument there's no bending there's no well except he loves Dee Dee a little bit more than he loves me there's no comparison the same love I get Dee Dee gets and the same love Dee Dee gets I get God doesn't God doesn't grade on the curve there's no some of us got A's some B's it's a little bit below average for some of you there isn't that I'm loved unconditionally. Plus, I'm able to respond and trust, just like Adam and Eve did in the beginning. You have to take yourself, to, for a true identity, you have to take yourself back to the beginning. Take your kids back to the beginning. Say, this is the way God loves, and I can respond and trust God with that. I can give Him who I am. I don't have to be better than everybody else. Now, some of you are, have that real competitive drive in you. I understand that. But what if that drive was turned, I, I'm going to be who God made me to be. And then I can truly enjoy your success instead of comparing it to mine. And I take that doing thing out of it. When I can respond and trust, have relationship, equals who I am. I'm phenomenal. I'm a star. Not wealthy, though I'm very rich. Not the most handsome, but very handsome. Not the smartest, but have a good intellect. When we start doing this with our children, it changes the effect that it has. Even in doing simple things like schoolwork. You have to be better than everybody else. No. Be yourself. Did did you give it your best? Yeah. That's your identity. I give it my best. We pass on in grace and trust to our children and our children's children. We hand these things down and it takes out of them that dance of shame in which they have to pretend they're somebody else so that that group will like them. You don't have to do that. Matter of fact, I don't have to be an individual to be totally loved by God. All the things that I said about me He would say about you, and you, and you. And I can delight in it, and rejoice in it. And I can treat you with the same trust that I'm treated in God. Is this making sense? This gets innocent. It breaks up that faulty, competitive, arrogant thing. Humility? Humility is seeing yourself how God sees you. Not denigrating yourself. Not deciding on what the measurement stick is. And oh, pride creeped up there. I took credit for that. Um, You know what to do when somebody gives you a compliment and you're struggling with that because you have pride and shame? Just say thank you. Oh, thank you. That was a really good sermon, pastor. Thank you. Instead of, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. That must have been the Holy Spirit. Now, it goes, that goes to your work too, right? Think of the labor of our hands. Let me do that. That's not true. True humility is agreeing with what God says about you. True Humility. Well, I don't have the giftings that so and so have. Ah, now we'll get next week. The measurement. And how does God really measure us? But this I know I'm royalty, I'm a prince of heaven, I'm also a priest. And so are you. I, don't, I just don't, I don't get the word like you do. Yeah, you do. Just read it. Just talk about it. What if I make mistakes? Oh, God's going to put you on the list. Shame, shame, shame. You, may, did you sing that song, uh, 100 Billion Failures. How <laughs> you know, many mistakes you've made that you didn't recognize? That I didn't recognize. Christ is not the no stick'em. Christ took every failure into himself. Every one of them took into himself. It's not magic. It's Christ. And he's there. And the security of your identity is identifying as being in Christ. Life is in Christ right here, right now. Just stand. Stand. The challenge I have is go back and read the first four chapters of Genesis. Ask God to show you something fresh and new that you haven't known before. Ask him to open your heart up to the teaching of, what there, of what's really there. What, do you, what, do you, what shall I get? Give me a takeaway from this, God. Spend a little time with it. And then let him declare to you who you are. Aren't Adam and Eve going to be incredible to talk to? I know everybody, was. you know, we're going to see Jesus first and he's going to kiss away the, you know, first thing he does is kiss away your tear. You know, he wipes the tear away. But man, you got to want, don't you want to go talk to Adam and Eve? Don't you want to say to Adam, Adam, lift your shirt up, bud. Show me that belly. I want to see a belly with no... that amazing you're going to talk to Adam and Eve and they're not going to be talking to you with caveman grunts they were the perfect of God's creation it ran downhill from there and had to be redeemed we didn't get better and better we immediately got worse but he had a plan in redemption read Genesis this week and then revisit this equation and say I don't want to be known as a human doing I want to be a human being I want to be everything that you say of me I want to to be able to speak those things over my own life here's a trick look in the mirror with your eyes wide open do this don't with every head bowed and every eye shut look at yourself and start declaring what the word says over you it breaks up all the fallow ground of pride and shame. So, for you, this is what I declare over you this morning as a blessing. You're accepted in the beloved. You don't have to compete for it. You are free this day to be in Christ. You don't have to do something to earn it. Jesus has made a way And He's made a home for you already. And you're already an eternal being. You're not striving for something. You're not longing. He's here in you right now. There's no distance between you. There's nothing that separates you. Romans 8 is your portion. Nothing can separate you. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing, not even the heartache of this life, can take that away. I bless you with life. I bless you with Jesus. I bless you with your true identity, who you are, and you're wonderful. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. And Jesus, He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. All your steps are ordered. All your days are numbered. And you may rejoice in that good thing. In Jesus' name. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you love each other as you go?